Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. I hope you have your Bible. If you do, let's go ahead and make our confession. We're going to speak it by faith because words spoken with faith change natural realities. Amen? Amen. Let's make our confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, shout amen. If you believe it, say poor devil. Poor devil. Poor devil. My goodness. Wouldn't you hate to be him? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Hallelujah. I want to share something with you that the Lord put on my heart during a time of prayer last Thursday. So I was in here. Sometimes I pray in here uh, in the sanctuary, sometimes in the uh, prayer room. Just depends. Usually Joe knows where I prayed last because that's where I robbed the soundboard iPad and it's left there. I forget to put it back up there sometimes. Mr. Davis experienced that as well. It's depending on where I leave it. I like to have things, you know, silence. You know, if, there, if it's just silence, here's a little pro tip when you pray. If you pray in silence, one minute will feel like an hour. But if you'll turn on some music, one hour will feel about like 10 minutes. I, I, honest to goodness, it's just a little physical thing. When, when, when you hear something going on, you know, put some worship music on, it will really liven up your prayer time. So I'm praying. I'm going through that one-hour prayer guide that Pastor made years ago from the teaching ministry of David Youngie Cho out of Seoul, Korea, at, uh, was it Faith, Full Gospel Temple, Yodo, Yodo, uh, in South Korea. Anyway, so I'm, I'm praying through, and something just hit me. I mean, like a Mack truck, which was a good thing in this situation. It's not good to be physically hit by a Mack truck, but this was a good thing when it hits you in the spirit like that. And so what I want to share with you today is the test of faith. Somebody say the test of faith. We'll say it all together. Say the test of faith. Genesis 22. We're going to read a couple verses, and then I'm going to just lay a foundation concerning test, plural, of faith. And then we're going to carry forth through this passage, Genesis 22. So when we hit that point, you know, I'm going to read off a series of verses. I want you to really listen. Let them sink down into your heart, because when the Word of God gets in your ears, through your mind, cleansing it, and down into your heart and rooted, that's when supernatural fruit takes place in your life. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 22, starting at verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. When God asks where you are, it's a good decision to say, here I am. Verse 2. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. It's a good thing for our faith to be tested. 
it is a very good thing for our faith to be tested. You know, we see this naturally. Um, how do you know how fast someone can run? You put them in a leg race, sprint between other people, and their speed is tested when they're running, you know, cross country or track and field or something. How do you test someone's strength? How much weight they can move or push? You know, I, I, my preferred means of getting exercise in, it's good to exercise our body because our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, amen? So he needs a good temple. And so my preferred uh, method of exercise, I like martial arts. Me and Jay like that. We like martial arts. We were talking about that over Thanksgiving. He, he was chowing down on turkey, and I was telling him about my martial arts experience as if he wanted to hear all that. Anyway, so I like that, or I like, I like barbell movements, squat, press, deadlift, just keep it real simple. Well, my wife gave me two years ago a squat rack, and it's got safety bars on the sides. Why does it have safety bars? So that I don't die. <laughs> when I miss a lift, you know, I can dump it off on those bars. Those safety bars are bent, and I have a barbell that's bent. Why? Because there was a time where I was testing a certain lift, and I failed the test, and I had to dump off the weight, and it, it, it bent them. So that was a test. There's all different types of tests. How many know in order to drive on the road, you need to have a driver's license test? Amen. Some of us were wondering how you passed that test when you pulled in the parking lot this morning, but apparently you passed the test. There's all different types of tests. I mean, think about it. You don't want to go through life untested. You don't want a doctor who's not passed the test. Anyone? No, what if he gave you a really good price? What if your surgeon was going to give you an exceptionally good rate on a surgery, but he just never passed the test to perform the surgery that you needed? Oh, it's a good price. Come on now. There's test of your faith. And we see here, Genesis 22, verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that... Now, if you're holding King James Version, and, and many of you do, and I'm using the New King James... Just a little side note, you might think, why does A.J. teach in the New King James? Three years ago, Dad said, if I were you and I were your age, I would use the New King James Version, and he gave me this Bible. And I said, yes, sir. So that's why I'm in it. But many of you use the King James Version. And it says, not test, it says tent, right? But now we know that God's pure, he's holy, he's just, and he's righteous. So, hmm, I don't know about you, but when I read that thing, okay, what's going on here? Now we know this, there is a God kind of test for your faith. And what we see in verse 2 is the God kind of test, very much like there's the God kind of faith. There's the God kind of test which has an appointed place and time where your faith will be tested. Really, it's not like real big and mystical and supernatural out here. It really comes down to this. The God kind of test is every time you're approached with the Word of God, will you believe? Every time you get an instruction, a command, a direction from God's Word or the Holy Spirit, will you obey? That's the God kind of test. We're seeing a specific example here. But now, let's, let's deal with this here for just one second. Uh, in order for you to understand what's taking place here, I want to rule out any misconceptions that may have been thrown onto the integrity of God, wrongly so. I've got a friend that's a pastor, Pastor Troy Edwards. He has a whole ministry called Vindicating God Ministries. And he's, I got a great book that he just finished a few mo uh, months ago. It says, Does God Send Sickness? That's the question he answers. And he takes thoroughly about 300 pages to answer. Of course, it's no. 
But he goes through all different scriptures that sometimes people say, well, it looks like that God did this or that. We understand that there are sometimes people slander, maybe even ignorantly, or throw mud on the testimony of God. But we know that God is good, He is holy, He is just, He is righteous. But we see here in chapter 22, verse 1, there's a test that He's brought before Abraham. He has given him a command, and now it is up to Abraham to have his faith tested and see if he comes out successful. Now, this is where we're going to take just a little bit of a side journey. You're more than welcome to turn with me to these passages. uh, But for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of run through them a little bit quicker than we normally would. So if you're not turning there, please, please listen. Now, notice the God kind of test is not temptation to sin. God will never, has never, ain't going to tempt you to sin. Well, how do I know that? James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot himself be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticements. So God does not, never will, ain't going to tempt anyone to sin. He will never, there will never be a time where God has a test for your faith that will bring you to a place that you're going to sin. He's not going to tempt you to sin. In fact, it's so the complete opposite that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So in other words, we all get tempted by the devil to sin, not God to sin, but by the devil to sin, that's common among all people. But notice this, it says this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but God is faithful. How many knows God's faithful? If you know He's faithful, say amen again. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, also make make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Think about that. With every temptation that Satan brings, hoping he can trick you up and trip you up and get you to fall away and fall into sin, every single time God's made a way of escape. Now, I also have to realize that in understanding that, that's very victorious, but that also means that I, as a believer, Those times that I chose to sin, it wasn't because God left me or He wasn't there to empower me to overcome. Rather, I made a decision to go against the will of God. That's a a sobering thought, isn't it? It's not because I couldn't overcome. I chose not to. That's why repentance is so powerful and so moving, and that's that's why true repentance and conviction of the Holy Spirit really stirs somebody up. And you come to God and say, Lord, you, the, obviously scripture, your word says, if I'm tempted, there is a way of escape. And I didn't choose it. God, forgive me. Forgive me. And we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, who when we come in repentance, he is faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us. How many are thankful for that in Jesus' name? Now notice, that's the temptation of sin. Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 20, he says this, But he who received the seed on stony places, that is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Verse 21, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. 
And Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8, in what we call the synoptic gospels, because John's a little bit different. We have a little bit different. He's just given a different revelation of the divinity and the power and the lordship of Christ Jesus. But in those three gospels, you see the same parable called the parable of the sower. And each one of those is so good to read each one of those accounts because it gives you like the full perspective on everything that's going, going into that teaching that Jesus is teaching. And he's saying, you know, there, there's the sower. Luke 8 tells us that the sower goes out to sow the word. And we understand really the emphasis is not on the sower or the word, but rather the ground that receives the seed. And there's four different types of ground. And I believe in Jesus' name, every single one of you that are here today, you're good ground, you're receiving the word, and it's bearing fruit in your life in Jesus' name. Amen? But there is a type of ground that has stony places. So there is a heart that's got some hard spots in it that when the grass, or excuse me, when the seed, I'm thinking about grass, when the seed hits that stone under the heat of the sun and the moisture of the air, it still springs forth and there's a root and there's a sprout, but it has nothing to hold on to. So that when a testing comes, when tribulation, because of the word's sake, how many knows if you're going to stand on God's word, you're going to have to stand regardless of anyone else's opinion? You ever been there? You're believing God's word and someone said, well, you know, brother, we got to use wisdom. As if God's word isn't complete wisdom. You know, uh, you're standing on the word of God. How, you, you know, you have some people, well, I don't want you to get too fanatical. Oh, you mean you don't want to follow too closely to Jesus? You know, I know some people that tailgate on the interstate. I'd rather tailgate Christ. You know, be real close, real close to Jesus. I like that bumper sticker. Do you follow Jesus as close as you're following me right now when people are on you, you know? As if you can be too close or too far out or as if you're going to get out on a limb with God. You know, you don't want to get out on a limb. He's the vine, we're the branches. I am the limb. I'm not getting out on a limb. I am the limb attached to the vine. You can't get out on a limb trusting God. But you understand there are some folks that they hear this word and because it doesn't take root. So what do you need? You need to plow the Holy Spirit to knock out those stones, plow them out, push them up out of the dirt, till over the soil so when the seed comes, that when it sprouts, it can root down into it. Pastor, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, and he said that, and that was so powerful. It really it struck me. He made this point that he was standing in prayer, and he was ministering to the Lord in prayer, and he, and he said the Lord spoke to him that some ministers, they'll stand. They have the word, but they've not, they don't have the anointing on the word because of a lack of a prayer life. That's why, let me just tell you this, if you're here and you're operating, you're serving in our church, whatever you do to minister to the people of God in this church, you need to have a strong prayer life. If you want to be a good host that's anointed, you need to have a strong prayer life. If you're working in preschool or nursery, children's church, teens, youth ministry, you're on the praise team, running sound like whatever you do, be about it unto the glory of God. And you need to have a strong prayer life so that when you go to do those tasks, you do it with anointing. The oil of God, which is a representation of an anointing, the oil, it costs you something. It costs you time. It costs you spending time in that secret place. Because if not, those stones don't get pushed out of the way, then the word, the seed comes, and there's no place to take root. And when a tribulation... So notice that. There are some tests against your faith, not from God, not from Satan to sin, but from pressure from this world. Now, understand 1 John 5 tells us that this entire world is under the sway of the evil one. So, yes, any pressure from this world basically goes back to its 
master at this time, not forever, but at this point in time since he has taken the dominion of man when he took it from Adam, when Adam and Eve failed their test of faith, he got dominion. And so that pressure really goes back to Satan. But there's a pressure. There is a resistance against the word of God. There is a resistance in this world against the word of God. Here's the beautiful thing about it. God's word is stronger than the spirit of this world. The spirit of truth, 1 John 4, he is the one that's in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the spirit of air, which is in this world. And so as long as you stick with God, it doesn't matter what pushback comes from the world. You're going through. It doesn't matter what pushback you get. If you're sticking with God, you're going through in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, real quickly, so you can understand, notice Genesis 22. Now, it came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Very quickly, just so you can have this rolling in the back of your mind, because we're going to continue to read it starting at verse 3 in Genesis 22. What's the purpose of tests? Why, why, Why is there a testing of your faith? Tests reveal the heart. Jeremiah eleven twenty. But Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have revealed my cause. Jeremiah the prophet, in this time where there is judgment coming upon the remnant of Judah and Jerusalem because they have refused to forsaken their sins, and he's in this ministry, this 40-year-long ministry, he's saying, look, my heart's revealed, their heart's revealed, because you test the hearts and minds of people. Job said this in Job 23.10, but he knows, God, the way I take. When he has tested me, I'll come forth as gold. Test of your faith will purify your faith. When your faith is tested, First Peter tells us this in chapter 1 and chapter 4 and chapter 5 in First Peter. Much of First Peter is talking about persecution from the world for following Jesus. If you follow Jesus, not everyone, you'll win many of them to Jesus. But if you're following Jesus, there's some people that are going to be totally against you. There is a galactic size war taking place. The kingdom of hell and the kingdom of heaven are waging war, and they're waging war over your soul. And so the sooner you realize you're in warfare then you suit up, you armor up, and you get to fighting. Because the moment you realize if you're following Christ, there is an army, a spiritual army, not wrestling against flesh and blood. Though Satan operates through flesh and blood, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Just like Jesus, if he's going to do something on the earth, he does it through the church. He does it through you. Well, same way, when Satan's operating, he's working through fallen wicked people. So when you follow Jesus, there'll be a testing of faith. That's what the whole book of 1 Peter is really talking about. And it, and it purifies your faith. It comes out more precious than gold. More precious than gold. Proverbs 24.10 tells us this. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. A test of your faith proves where your faith is at. You know, anyone ever had a pickup truck and you went to go pull something and the truck wouldn't pull? You realize the load's stronger than the truck that I'm using to pull this load. Tests prove the depth of your roots. We saw that in Matthew 13. Tests come to all. 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him, Satan, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Notice that. Even though there's a test, 
It doesn't mean you won't be perfected, established, strengthened, or settled. But rather, through that test, victory in Christ, passing that test, perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. I like this. Tests, tests of your faith are just opportunities for promotion. When do you get a promotion on the job, naturally speaking? After you've been there a while, you've proven yourself, you're a good worker, and the superiors, they're saying, or should be in a just situation, the superiors are saying, that guy, that gal, we can trust them. Promote. David was promoted. Think about it. The reason that David is happy to go against Goliath, he tells King Saul, I killed the bear, I killed the lion, I'll kill the giant. I passed the bear test. I passed the lion test. Well, it only makes sense the next is this giant test. We'll use the same credentials, the same reasoning, the same ability, the same skill, and the same faith in God to pass this test as well. Tests are just simply opportunities for promotion. And lastly, thank you for hanging with me here because I want to make sure this is a real good foundation. I don't want you to think every little thing that takes place in your life, well, I guess it's just God testing me. Notice this. Tests are not, somebody say not, consequences of sinful actions. Somebody say amen. The test, God will, it's not, I guess God's just testing my faith. No, when you decided to do 90 and a 65 and you got pulled over by the highway patrol, that is not a test of your faith. That is a sign of your ignorance of running that speed limit. But some people will say that. Just because folks say it don't mean it's true. Amen? Me, you, anybody. It has to line up with the Word of God. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, in the matters of that spirit of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So not everything that takes place in life is just a test of your faith. Sometimes it's my dumb decision. Now, Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am, verse 2. Then he said, take now your son, notice this, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Paul's right there. Why is the Lord using this language? Because God's very specific. He's not vague. He's not general. I, I was watching a clip of Catherine Kuhlman, and she said this, and of course in, her, in the way she talks. If you've never seen any videos of Catherine Kuhlman, thank God for YouTube. You can go check it out. There's all these different sermons. But she was saying, if you are called of God, you know, kind of talk like that. But she was said, if you're called of God, then you do what he's called you to do, and you never back down. And then she said, but if you're not... Don't pretend. Just move on. Because when God calls, He calls specifically. He empowers for that call. And He has given instruction for that call. So what is He saying? He didn't say, take your son, because Abraham's got Ishmael. Who is Ishmael? Ishmael is the perfect example of when people try to do what God promised their way. I heard a minister talking about it, and really, if you go to it, not being anybody else, I mean, he was just saying that Abraham decided this. No, it wasn't Abraham's decision. It was Sarah's decision. Sarah got tired of waiting, and came, it's Genesis 16. Sarah came to Abraham and said, Abraham, 
take my handmaiden, you have a child with her, and when, she, when the child's born, basically in that day and age, not to be graphic, but essentially when she's giving birth, let it pass through my knees, and it's a sign of adoption, and that will be our child. So basically what Sarah's saying, let's get what God said he'll do done through man's way. Because where'd they get that idea? That's a Canaanite practice. God never instructed anybody to have a form of adoption of that means. He never did it. They picked it up from the land they were living around. Let me tell you something. When you're doing things God's way, you have to use God's wisdom. You got to do it God's way. You got to do it with his instruction, with his wisdom. If God said he'll do it, he'll do it. We rest in faith in the promise until we see it come to pass. But we're not going to try to make it happen in our strength, in our wisdom, because then you end up with the Ishmael. So notice he says, your only son. Now you think, whoa, wait a minute, AJ said only son. But what about Ishmael? Literally in the Hebrew language, it's unique. You're one of a kind son. It's the same exact language of John 3.16. For God gave his only begotten son, his unique, one of a kind, the word became flesh, son. Because Everyone here today that's believed on the Lord Jesus Christ is now sons and daughters of God. But he's the firstborn, and he is the first of the dead and of the resurrection. He is the unique son. He is the one where the spirit and the power of God brought forth life into that virgin womb. Your only son Isaac, whom you love. Whom you love. It wasn't a light thing that God was asking Abraham to do. Now notice, go to the land of Moriah. Moriah literally means chosen by Jehovah. There, there's a time where God's going to ask you to do something specifically, and it's where God has appointed and he has, he has ordained this thing. And he said, I want you to do this. Will you obey? Will you obey? Will you go to the land of Moriah? What's so interesting about the land of Moriah is it's a place of mountains. What else is in the land of Moriah? It's where the temple would later be built. It's where Jesus would later, later give his life on the hill of Calvary. This is in the land of Moriah. The highest hill, Calvary's hill, probably, probably, where Isaac was being brought. Now notice this. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you of. Now notice I want to answer this question in a couple different ways in the last few minutes that we have here today. What do you do when your faith is tested? Number one, don't just obey. Obey quickly. Quickly obey. Don't sit around and think about it. We're going to give it some time. No, if you've got a direction from God, if he has instructed you to do something, do it. Do it now. Do it quickly. Notice verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him of. Abraham has, somebody help me out, is it 318 trained servants that we read about? Something like that. If the man has 318 men trained for warfare and that's not counting all the other servants that work for him, he ain't got to split his own wood. He don't have to saddle his own donkey. But God said, Abraham, this I've required of you. And Abraham said, I'll get my own self up. 
I'll saddle my own donkey. I'll split my own wood. I'll get my own men and I'll leave. Because what God asks of you, no one else can fulfill it. What God has asked of you, no one else is going to fulfill it for your behalf. Quickly obey. Abraham didn't say, well, we're going to sit on it and think about it for a while. We're going to pray about it. We'll pray about it. He got a direction from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and he went. When your faith is tested, notice this. Speak faithful words. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. I can't pass by it without you seeing this. Abraham is told by God to give up his unique son, the son of promise. And it was three days journey. Jesus, when he's given up the son of God on the cross, it's three days before he's resurrected. I just Abraham's faithful, not just in a moment, not for 10 minutes, three days he's carrying his son to the place God had appointed and called him to go with full intentions of giving his son back to God. Verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, now notice this, when your faith is tested, you better watch what comes out of your mouth. Notice what Abraham says. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. God said, you take your son, offer him as a burnt offering unto me on that mountain. Abraham gets at the foot of that mountain, and he tells his men, the two men he's brought with him, we are determined to go, we're determined to worship, and we're both coming back. You think, how in the world? Could Abraham say that? He's got a promise from God. If you just go back a couple verses in Genesis 21, verse 13, you would add, or verse 12, it says this, but God said to Abraham concerning Hagar and Ishmael, when he tells him to send him away, actually, that was a test of faith. Actually, you look in Abraham's life, there's seven times where his faith is tested. God tells him, leave your native land, leave your family, follow my leading, separate from Lot, Give up your plans for Ishmael. Send forth Hagar and Ishmael. Number seven, offer up Isaac. In Genesis 21, 12, when God's telling him, you need to have Hagar and Ishmael separate because you're putting your confidence in this physical thing you've done. No, 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 no. He says this, Genesis 21, 12, but God said to Abraham, do not let it be depleasing in your sight because of the lad, Ishmael, or because of the bondwoman, Hagar. Whenever, whatever said Sarah said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac... Your seed shall be called. He's got a word from God. When your faith's tested, you stand on the word of God. He's got a promise from God. That's why he can say, we are going up, we're going to worship, and we're coming back. But you say, no, 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 no. God said, bring him up as a burnt offering. Last time I checked, that takes the life out of the being. Well, Hebrews eleven seventeen says this, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Genesis 21, 12. Notice this, verse 19. Abraham concluded that God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead, from which he 
also received him in a figurative sense. God, Abraham's at this point in his life, Lord, you told me to leave my land, I did it. You told me to leave my family, I did it. And t- test, 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 test. Purified, purified, purified. Really all a test of faith is is an opportunity to consecrate yourself to God. Lord, you commanded it, I'll do it. You instruct it, I'll obey. And Abraham, he's got this, this old man of faith. He said, Lord, I've been walking with you for a long time. And I'm at this point, you told me Isaac will bring forth my seed. Even if I give him up in a burnt offering and I watch him die, I know you'll raise him back up and we'll come back now. Because you said you're going to bring about the promise to me through that boy. Even if he dies, you'll have to raise him from the dead. Because you gave your word and your word is established in heaven. And we, by faith, establish it on the earth. When the faith of you, O righteous man or woman of God, is tested, you hold on to that promise and say, I don't care what my eyes see. I don't care what a natural report says. God's given me a word and I'm not backing off of it. That's when faith takes place. There's no plan B. Abraham didn't have a plan B. He sent his plan B, Ishmael, away. Speak faith. Speak faith. Why? Because your tongue is just simply displaying what's in your heart. So if you catch yourself saying some things that don't line up with the Word of God, let's get some heart change going on. So that when the pressure is put on, the good things come out. Last time I checked, if you squeeze an orange, apple juice don't come out. If you do, you need to... uh, it's like I was telling Mr. Donnie, you need to sell tickets if you can squeeze that orange and apple juice comes out. Sell tickets. Mr. Donnie came in this morning. He was still a little sleepy. He said, my goodness, these poinsettias look good. They're growing. I said, that's a miracle because they're, they're artificial. Praise God. Whoa, glory. <laughs> There's anointing in this place. Come on. Hey. When pressure is applied, that which is inside comes out. Speak. Speak, 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 faith. Notice this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's getting good. Genesis 22, 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Can't pass by that either. Isaac carries his own wood. Jesus carried his own cross. Abraham took the fire in his hand. Now, you might think, well, how is that possible? It wasn't a torch. But if you've ever seen like these priests, they even still today, you know, is it Eastern Orthodox, maybe even Catholic Church, I'm not sure. But some of these quote-unquote higher church, high church as they call it, they'll have this incense burner on a chain and they're moving it. I think they may even do it at synagogue. I got an opportunity to go to a synagogue for a Jewish class I was taking in school many years ago. It's interesting. When they brought out the Torah, they're dancing and jumping. I thought that would be pretty good. We need to take our Bibles and do that, go around the sanctuary at the beginning of each service. But I think they may even have an incense. I could be wrong. But it's like that. It's like a pot. It's a clay pot that you would scoop up coals and put in the pot, and it had a chain. So Isaac's carrying the wood. Abraham's carrying the fire and the knife, and the two of them went together. When your faith is tested, remember your testimonies. Why do I say that? In Genesis 21, 33, 
it says this, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. It's after a dispute with Abimelech over some wells that Abraham encounters God as the everlasting God. And it's in that place he sanctifies a place and he basically build, he basically plants a bunch of trees to commemorate this is where I encountered the everlasting God. And years later, it's not in Scripture. Everybody hear that, right? It's not in Scripture. But E.W. Bullinger, a great commentator of the Scripture, he said more than likely Abraham probably took those trees he had dedicated to God for the wood, for this sacrifice that would be to God. He went back to the place where he encountered the everlasting God and he took that wood to go do what God had called him to do this time. Abraham, three different times, Genesis 12 and two times in Genesis 13, we see Abraham offering up sacrifices unto God. It takes fire to do that. Abraham brought his own fire. At this point, when Abraham's faith is tested, he brings his own wood from when he encountered the everlasting God, and he brings his fire from the fire of the altar that can only be received by God if the fire comes from heaven. Explain that. I don't know, but God receives, according to Leviticus, the altar and the sacrifice that's given by the fire of heaven. Abraham brings his own fire from the altar where he worships God. When your faith is tested, remember your testimonies. David, I killed the bear, I killed the lion, Goliath ain't nobody. Abraham, I know the everlasting God. Genesis 15, I know he's my, so- my sword and my shield and my son and my shield. Genesis 12, I know he's the one that blesses me. Now I'm about to encounter God in a completely new way. I'm remembering my testimonies. I'm taking my own wood, my own fire. See, here's the thing. Your faith will fail if you don't strengthen it from day to day to day. Because in the moment of testing against that faith, you've got to have something developed up in it. You've got to have yourself in your faith. That's why dead religion ain't never did nothing for nobody. But a living faith turns the world upside down. Genesis 22:7. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Notice verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. When your faith is tested, look with the eyes of faith, not with what you can see naturally. It's like when Elisha, he's just sitting back, he's just having probably coffee and chocolate donuts. When all these armies come around and surround him, And his servant goes out and says, Elisha, we are surrounded and there's a whole lot of them. And Elisha says, there's more with us than there are with them. Takes a sip on his coffee. Eats another bite of that chocolate donut. And he said, go on out there, look out there. Lord, show them what I see. When he goes back out, he sees the armies of heaven surrounding the armies of the nations surrounding them. When your face tested, don't look on what you can see with these Look with what you see through the Scripture. Look what you can see through the lens of the Word of God. Look what you can see by the Spirit of God. You say, I know these eyes don't see it yet. 
but my eyes will see what my heart believes because faith calls things that be not as though they were. I'm looking with the eyes of faith. Isaac, I know you only see the wood. I know you only see the fire. But I'm telling you, my God, he'll provide a lamb for himself. Let's keep on going, son. Let's keep on going up the mountain. Look by faith. Genesis 22, verse 9. When, you test, when your faith is tested, follow instructions. That's too simple. I have found that the very simple is very, very powerful. It's the basics. If you just get the basics right, you move quick and you can move fast and you get things done. When your faith is tested, follow instructions. Genesis 22, verse 9. Notice this. Then they came to the place which God had told them of. Abraham built an altar. He placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son. He laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. He's following through. Faith follows through. Faith does what is commanded. Faith receives the instruction of God and does it. That's faith. That is faith. When your faith is tested, walk in the fear of God. Verse 11, Genesis twenty-two eleven. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad. Or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. When your faith is tested, walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, I'll let you do this for homework between now and next Sunday. But you tell me the language there. God says, for now I know. For now I know. At the point his faith was tested, it was then proven. It was verified. Now I know. Not before. When it was put to action. Because prior to, it's belief, it's hope. But when you act on it, that's what faith is. For without works, faith is dead. When your faith is tested, draw close to God. Notice this, Genesis 22, verse 33. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Can you imagine how happy he must have been to see that ram? Verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. It shall, I like the King James better. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Really, when you go to Genesis 22, verse 8, it says... The God who sees will provide himself a lamb. The God who sees, sees your need and provides what he has seen in the need. God who sees, he sees the need and he provides what you need for that need. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now notice, not outside the mount, not doing your own thing, not following the flow of the world in the mount of the Lord. In the, I like to say it this way. In the presence of God, everything I have need of is provided. When I'm lockstep with the Lord, when I'm hooked up with Jehovah, then what I have need of, it's provided in abundance. Somebody say amen. Notice that. He drew closer to God. He didn't know him as Jehovah Jireh until then. But now he knows. And it's not just head knowledge. He knows it. He knows it to the depth of the degree that he loves his son. Because what he was... In his heart, he'd already given back to the Lord. God redeemed it 
gave it to him and gave him his own ram to sacrifice to the Lord. Last thing, when your faith is tested and you pass the test, you'll be blessed. Genesis 22, verse 15, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, that unique son of promise. Blessing, I'll bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the star of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. When you pass the test of faith, blessing comes. When your, te- when your faith is proven, that's all test means. Sometimes we add a negative connotation to it. Me and Mr. Chris were talking about this just the other day. Tests are good because you'd rather be tested in a preliminary trial of something before you actually get out there in the open and things go south and you don't know what to do. When knowledge, when ability is proven in a testing grounds, you know, it's, it's that idea, you know, we got a car for you. 90% off, we've just never test-driven it. Put it together, 90% off, we just don't know if it'll run. Let us know. I don't want that car. And, they are, and, and as I mentioned, you know, again, we see here, there, there's that, this test that came to Abraham. It was a testing of faith. Would you, if you would, bow your head before the Lord. Father, we come before you, God. Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory and honor. And this is our desire, Lord, as a people, God. We want our faith purified. We want our faith strong. We don't want our faith to fail. That's why we're here today, Lord, because you said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're strengthening and adding to the most holy faith that you seeded in us, Lord God. You've given every man the measure of faith. We've responded with that measure of faith to receive Christ. And we're on this journey, Lord God. We're on this pilgrimage. We understand, like Abraham, we're looking for the city of God, the one that you have built and placed its foundations, Lord. We want that city. We want to walk with you, Lord. We want to be proven. We want to be in a place where you can, you can look and see us individually and as a church. I can trust them. They've been proven. They're obedient. I say something, they do it. I command something, I give instruction by my word, by the Holy Spirit, they quickly obey. That's where we want to be, Lord. That's where we want to live. That's where we want to reside, God. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father, I thank you for your power, for your might that strengthens me, that empowers me to pass the test. I thank you for purified faith. I thank you for eyes to see I thank you for faith-filled words to speak. I hold on to your promise, Lord, regardless of what natural eyes see, regardless of what reports I hear. I hold true to your promise. I pass the test, the test of faith in every area of life so that I can walk with you and receive all that you have for me. In Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you need to make things right with God, you think, you know what? 
I need to get in the right place with the Lord. I want to be in a place like Abraham where I walk with God. I'm a friend of God. If you're here today, would you raise your hand and let me know? We can pray a prayer that puts you right in that place by faith. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Father, I bless your name. I'm thankful for your goodness, your power and your might. I thank you that you're causing me to overcome victory to victory, faith to faith, glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday, I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.